In Mark 12, 28 through 34, God speaks to us in his word. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Savannah. Good morning. One more time. Good morning. All right. All right. That's good. Hey, uh, we are glad you're, you're here this morning. We're glad that we can be together and worship together. And now as we uh, uh, continue, we want to dive into God's Word and begin uh, to look at our passage today. Before we do that, will you pray with me, please? I'll pray for you if you'll pray for me because I know I need it. And I'm assuming a lot of you walked in here today needing it. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we do uh, thank you this morning, uh, and, and we do uh, need you. And so we, we just ask uh, your Holy Spirit to open our, uh, open our hearts and open our minds, and uh, uh, Lord, prepare them for your words. And Lord, we pray that the words spoken uh, uh, would be, your Spirit would anoint them, and they would be your words, and, and that... Uh, they would touch uh, all of us in the way that we need uh, our hearts or minds touched. Uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we continue uh, back into the book of Mark, and, and we're quickly uh, winding down the book of Mark and coming uh, to the end. And so we want to jump right in uh, as our story, and as we do that, uh, we have seen the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, uh, they have been attacking Jesus, trying to trap him, uh, trying to use his own words against him uh, to have him arrested or even killed. And so uh, we have seen that uh, so far uh, up to this point. And now, today, we meet a scribe who is different, or at least seems to be different, and, and seems to be uh, interested in genuinely knowing what God has to say. And, and in fact, this scribe models for something very valuable for us, and that is maturity and, and how to engage with, uh, with God's Word and with one another. And we desperately uh, need, need that today uh, in the church and in our culture. Uh, we need to be able uh, with humility and, and humbly ask uh, uh, 
uh, hard questions and, and engage in hard conversations and dialogue and, and do so in a loving way. And so as we dive in, uh, uh, just a couple of things uh, I want to look at. The scribe was, uh, he was, he was very observant. He said he was uh, there watching and he began to ask questions. He saw that Jesus had knowledge and was knowledgeable. Uh, and, and he knew that he could learn from Jesus. And so, and what we have to remember, the scribe is an expert in the law. He, he knew the Torah, Torah forward and backward. Uh, he had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. Um, and so even with all of that knowledge, all that he knew, his desire and his curiosity still inspired him uh, to ask questions. And that in itself made him stand out from all of the other religious leaders who had simply been trying to trap or uh, get Jesus to say something to get him arrested. And, uh, and in that, he did not follow the crowd. Uh, he stood out on his own, and, and he wanted to learn for himself, even if it meant putting him in an uncomfortable situation with his peers. And so, likewise, we need to be the same. Uh, we don't need to follow the crowd. We don't need to follow uh, anyone. Uh, when we have questions, we need to be willing to, in, in humility, ask the hard questions uh, of those. There's a lot of people that know a lot more than me that I ask questions of every week. And so we need to be willing to do that. And we need to pray that God would stir our hearts and our minds, uh, uh, that we would know him more intimately. And, and the law that he knows and he has memorized, there's 613 commandments in the Torah. 365 negative commandments and 248 positive commandments. And uh, so when he's asking, and, and remember, he's an expert in all of them. Uh, and so when he's asking what is the most important uh, commandment of all uh, he's doing so because it was uh, something that had gone on for years, centuries is that uh, debate, debates among the rabbis about what was the most essential or what was the least essential uh, commandment and just simply uh, to summarize that question up another way is is there a commandment that sums up God's heart in one commandment in, in a nutshell. And uh, so uh, he's generally curious. And as we look into the Jesus' answer, uh, let me read Mark 12, 29, and 30. The most important is, or Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And throughout history, this has been known as a great commandment in, in church. Uh, and we've known, I mean, we've heard that most likely growing up in Bible Belt area all of our lives. And so 
just a few uh, quick observations from that uh, and, and where Jesus is quoting them from. Jesus is quoting that uh, from the Shema, uh, which uh, begins with Deuteronomy 6, uh, also has portions of Deuteronomy 11 and Numbers 15 in it. Uh, and, and Shema wa was a prayer that was recited every day, morning and night. When you rise up and when you lie down, uh, it was uh, uh, for history, uh, throughout Jewish history, it has been uh, recited morning and night. At its core, it is confession that Jesus stands as the lone authority, uh, the one that alone that should be uh, lifted up and worshiped and exalted and loved before, before everything and anything else. And that was unique, especially in this part of the world in a polytheistic world. Uh, the culture there, all the nations around them worship multiple gods. So the only one that worships a single uh, god. And so uh, this command uh, is a, res a response with love to the God who first loved us. God has chosen Israel. He has lavished his love upon them. He has pursued them. He's been faithful. And he's even worked in power on their behalf. So it's not just some generic God that they're called to worship and love this way. It's Yahweh. It is the Lord our God. And likewise, you and I aren't commanded to worship some unknown God, some cosmic being, but we are called and commanded to love the God of the Bible, the God who first loved us. Our love is an answering love, and it's a response to his love, generosity, salvation, and grace. The greatest command calls for us to worship him and our whole person. And so what does that, I mean, what does that mean? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. So what does it mean to love God with all of my heart? God is relational. Loving God with all of my heart means with our affections, our desires, our delights, our devotion, our emotional center. What does it mean to love God with all of our soul? Our soul is, uh, God is the end for which we are created. Loving, our, loving God with the depths of our very being, our core essence, the place where we find ultimate meaning, identity, and purpose. Loving God with all of our mind, God is true. Our concern for truth, our thinking, our learning, our intelligence, our comprehension. How do we think about God? 
How do we learn about God? How do we comprehend God? In our strength, God is holy and cares deeply about our actions. Loving God with our actions, our habits, our efforts, and our behaviors. Our problem, instead of doing that collectively, we tend to gravitate toward one and neglect the others. And we're all, we're all wired uniquely. Some of us are uniquely wired, so it's easier for you to love God with your mind or your heart or your soul, or your strength. Throughout history, individual Christians and entire church traditions tend to gravitate toward one or emphasize one aspect of loving God at the expense of neglecting others. A few examples uh, The charismatic tradition uh, tends to gravitate towards the heart. Tend to emphasize heart, emotion, affections, and all of that is really good. But they often neglect the head or they see theology and doctrine as an enemy of passion. And this distorts the truth of God. Because the truth of God is, the more we know about the God, the more we know about God, the more we can delight in Him. Reformed or more Bible-focused traditions tend to uh, navigate towards the mind, tend to emphasize the importance of mind, doctrine, and good theology. Once again, this is really good. Those are all good things. But they often neglect the heart or see emotions, affections, and delight is unsophisticated and immature. This too distorts the true love of God. If God is really as amazing as our theology says, shouldn't that produce a beating heart of passion and affections for God? The spiritually slowed down traditions tend to, to uh, navigate toward the soul. They tend to emphasize the importance of slowing down, loving communion with God, lots of talk of Sabbath, silence and solitude, once again, which is really good. but they neglect loving God with our strength. Communing with God in the depth of our soul is meant to lead us towards right action in the world. And the biblical justice tradition tends to navigate to strength, tends to emphasize the call to love God with actions, efforts, good works in the world, once again, which is really good, but they often neglect the soul. And when all we do is love God with our strength and we never slow down for loving communion, 
we become fragile. We become hollow, a hollow self of who we really are. And we can quickly become judgmental or critical of other Christians who don't do the things that we do. You see, Jesus in this passage is calling us away from a disintegrated approach to loving God and calling us into a whole person, whole self, integrated love. And he's doing so ultimately because he is beautiful and worth it. And we can't fully see that unless we become integrated. And the great commandment leads us to love our neighbor. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater in these. It's impossible to love God and not love other people. Impossible. And this, this quote that Jesus is quoting here, to love your neighbor as yourself, comes out of Leviticus 19.18. And a Le Leviticus quotation is really interesting being here uh, because it contains, the quote out of Leviticus is from the book that contains the sacrificial system which the religious leaders and the Pharisees idolized and often misused. And while Jesus was only asked about the greatest commandment, he gave two answers. He refuses to be put in a box. He can't rightly answer the question by only saying, love the Lord your God, period. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because a true love for God necessarily leads to sacrificial love for others. Loving God and loving people are not the exact same thing, but a real love for God works itself out in real love for other people. And we see that ideal is repeated throughout scriptures, and one of the places we see it is in 1 John 4, 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have for him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We can't claim to love God and have hatred in our heart for our brother or our neighbor. And which leads to an obvious question, who is our brother or who is our neighbor? And we could spend a lot of time chasing that rabbit. Um, and I simply want to share with you what a mentor shared with me a long time ago. Uh, and it was that everyone you encounter is a divine appointment. Everyone we encounter, the waiters and waitresses we'll encounter in a few minutes are divine appointments. Even if they mess up our order and get it all wrong, 
Do we see them as someone who messed up our order? Or do we see them as a divine appointment? Everyone I encounter on the street, everyone I encounter in Walmart, uh, everyone I encounter within my family, my friends, my coworkers, and yes, actually my physical neighbor also. And it even means those that we might consider as our enemies. We are command them, commanded to love them as we love ourselves. And the great commandment exposes our desperate need for Jesus and for a Savior. You see, we often try to love God with all of our heart, but our loves and our desires are all messed up. They're disordered in every way. The Disney mantra of follow your heart has led us away from genuine love for God and towards sin and death. And we try to love God with all of our mind, yet we can go days or weeks without even thinking about God. And then when we do think about Him, we often don't think about Him in a right way. We reimagine Him in our own image, or we put things on him that are false and untrue. When we try to love God in a, with all of our soul, you see, we were made for God. He is our talos, our end, our ultimate purpose. But we end up building our, we end up building our essence and identity on other things and seek ultimate meaning in things apart from him. And when we try to love God in all of our strength, we don't use our efforts, our habits, our work, our behaviors to exhibit a love for God if anything, we use it to love and worship ourselves. But there is good news. Yes, the greatest command is for humans, for is human love for God. That is the greatest command. But the greatest truth is God's love for humans. And I want to say that again. The greatest truth is God's love for humans. In 1 John 4.10, John says it this way. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus came and took our place. And in doing so, Jesus perfectly fulfills the great commandment for us and on our behalf. You see, when loving God with all of his heart, his communion with the Father was continual, while ours is fickle. 
and loving God with all of his mind, Jesus lived on the Word of God as daily bread. He studied it, he taught it, and he treasured it. Loving God with all of his soul, the very core and essence of Jesus' life was to do the will of the one who sent him. And loving God with all of his strength, his life was filled with obedient action to the Father. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. Worked hard to bring his kingdom to earth. He sweat great drops of blood in the garden. And he poured out his life to the point of death. And love for his neighbor on the cross, he cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He died to forgive his enemies, and if anything, Jesus considered us his neighbor, and even more important than himself. And the gospel gives us both the power to obey and forgiveness when we fail. It's not a fake command. Jesus didn't just state this and not intend for us to really love God with all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But it's through the gospel, through Christ's life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection and current reign from heaven that you and I have the power to obey and we have forgiveness when we fail. And that is the good news. And it's really good news. And so as followers of Jesus, where do we go? And with just a few days left on earth, he tells this scribe that this is the most essential thing. Love the God who loves you. Love the person that you encounter. And wrap your entire lives around this command. And maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Jesus' response back to the scribe when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom. You see, there's a huge difference between head knowledge and genuine love and trust. The scribe is an expert in the law. He knows the right answer, and he even believes it to be true. And Jesus isn't taking a jab at him. He's offering him an invitation. An invitation to actually step into the kingdom of God. And one of the things that we've seen repeatedly in the book of Mark is that 
They missed who Jesus was. They were looking for a king. And Jesus was the king of kings, but he wasn't the king they were looking for. And today, we don't want to miss Jesus. Because that's exactly what happened to the religious leaders of his day. Paul in Romans describes true law keeping as a circumcision of the heart. Romans 2.29. And and Paul is not referring, uh, but he is really referring back to the Old Testament. Where Yahweh himself made it clear that the fulfillment of the law was not a physical circumcision, but a heart circumcision. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. The Old Testament was abundantly clear at the end game of the law is the circumcision of the heart, which leads us to loving God. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they missed it. And this one scribe who understands Jesus in this matter is considered close to the kingdom of God. A lot of you are close to the kingdom of God. And some of you here today need need the same invitation that Jesus gives this scribe. Because maybe you are a person who knows the right answer. And you even believe it to be true that God is worthy of your whole life and your whole love. And you know it to be true. Well, today, Jesus is inviting you in to genuine love and trust. He is inviting you in to the kingdom of God. Would you stand as we prepare to come to communion?